Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. Today is Thursday, April 23rd, 2020. Thursday is the day when the Labor Department releases its latest unemployment numbers. Another 4.4 million people filed last week, bringing the overall number over the last five weeks to 26 million. That means that nearly one in six Americans lost a job in that time. Making matters worse is that many economists believe that this staggering number doesn't capture the full picture because there continues to be a lag across the country in processing claims. That is putting an urgency on congressional efforts to provide economic aid. So tonight we begin with CQ Roll Call Chief Correspondent Niels Lesniewski, who spoke today with Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, a Democrat from Nevada, about the economic toll the virus is taking on Las Vegas. One thing that with the Paycheck Protection Program that is unusual that seems to be uh, afflicting businesses in your state is the restriction that the Small Business Administration imposed on uh, businesses that have a certain percentage of their revenue uh, from gambling. And frankly, there are lots of businesses I know in in your state, uh, small hotels and bars and restaurants that that do get revenue from, from legal gambling. And I'm wondering... I know they've done some to address it, but I I take it that the Nevada delegation does not think that's enough. Well, not just the Nevada delegation. No, you you better remember, there is some form of of, of gaming or vendors that um, directly generate revenue from gaming in 42 states. And we have tribal gaming across the country now. So it's not just Nevada and many small businesses in Nevada. It's, It's those businesses across the country who are now being told by the Small Business Administration, by this administration, that uh, they are not going to be allowed to get any of the money of the Paycheck Protection Program because of this archaic, arcane law that is just outrageous to me. Um, and, and so that's why there's been uh, so many of us, and this bipartisan support, advocating for this change. Uh, I am on a bill with the delegation in Nevada. We are introducing legislation uh, to make that change so that if the administration and the small business administration refuse to uh, internally, administratively make that change, then we're going to pass legislation or incorporate it into any uh, COVID-3 negotiation to make that change. But it's an old old law that existed under the um, SBA 7A program. It is, um, again, to me, uh, something that is really not even incorporating the spirit and intent of the CARES Act when we passed this legislation, every single member of our delegation and across this country, we were under the impression that every business should be able to participate in the Paycheck Protection Program. Every small business, nobody should be uh, left out. Every small business should have that opportunity, including the over 265 gaming locations in my state. And you said it, they're small business owners, they are tavern owners, but they are also, you've got to remember, there's a number of businesses that make the actual uh, equipment uh, for some of these gaming uh, properties. And so they make their money from gaming as well. So there, there's a number of people and businesses that are impacted, and it's not just in Nevada. So we've got to make this change uh, in, in this language that the Small Business Administration has pushed out. So just to follow up on that quickly, you're, you're, you're saying that there are, that the 
interpretation also covers people who may literally be making blackjack tables or be making some sort of equipment that is used in the uh, industry of the state, even if it's not gaming revenue itself? Well, because they're making most of their money from gaming revenue, from, from the revenue from gamers. And that is the challenge that I'm hearing from some of our vendors, um, is that particularly the smaller vendors who may have some sort of operation or service uh, that works with, that works with a gaming property, that money is literally coming from gaming. And that's how broad this interpretation is. That's why it, it is ridiculous. Uh, but it does impact uh, many uh, other small businesses. It could be a restaurant with some form of gaming, a tavern uh, with some form of gaming, a couple of slot machines. you got to remember that when you have, whether it's slot machines or um, individual poker machines in some of these small businesses, um, that generates a lot of revenue for them. And that, that, uh, that small amount, that million dollars, uh, could be overcome very quickly before the uh, end of the year. So they're being impacted by this. Uh, and that's why we're saying you, 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 this language needs to change. First of all, it's just, it, it is archaic. Because, like I said, there's over 40, I think 42 states now that have some form of, of, of gaming revenue. So this idea that somehow we need to penalize uh, individuals that engage in gaming is it, it, just, it, it is no longer... Uh, necessary, nor ever should have been necessary, and uh, so many communities and states across the country are being harmed by it right now. Thank you, uh, Senator, for taking the time this afternoon, and uh, stay safe, and, and best uh, wishes to you and your family. Thank you so much. You as well. Niels will have more of the interview on RollCall.com on Friday. Now we turn to Catherine Tully-McManus, who has the latest on what is happening in Congress as lawmakers return to Washington to vote on establishing a new panel to keep an eye on the coronavirus response as well as the latest relief package. The House returned to action Thursday to debate and vote for the first time in nearly four weeks. The chamber sent a $483 billion interim coronavirus spending package to the president's desk by an overwhelming vote. The aid package includes $321 billion for the Paycheck Protection Program, which provides forgivable loans to cover payroll and other costs for small businesses. The Small Business Administration burned through an initial investment of $349 billion in about two weeks previously. New Jersey Democrat Tom Malinowski told my colleague Lindsay McPherson this afternoon that he's heard from banks in his district that the second batch of small business funding approved today might only last a few days because of how many businesses have already applied. The massive bill also includes $75 billion for hospitals and other healthcare facilities and $25 billion for coronavirus testing. The House also voted today to create a new select subcommittee to keep an eye on how federal coronavirus dollars are spent. The new panel faced opposition from Republicans who said the existing congressional and agency oversight capacity was adequate to oversee this massive expenditure. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the panel is needed to ensure that taxpayer dollars are being used wisely and, quote, nobody is ripping us off. She said that where there's big money, there are also scams and that this committee aims to root out problems like that. The votes on Thursday marked a massive change, not so much the politics of coronavirus, but in the public health posture at the Capitol itself. 
The vast majority of members in the chamber for debate and votes were wearing masks at the recommendation of the attending physician at the Capitol. Masks and gloves were available to members just outside the chamber, but that wasn't enough to motivate dozens of Republicans who skipped the precaution. The votes were conducted in waves to keep too many members from being in the chamber at once, and sergeant-at-arms staffers shooed lawmakers out the door once they cast their vote. They even broke up a conversation between high-ranking Republicans, uh, Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, and Jim Jordan at the end of the day. Hi, this is Mary Ellen McIntyre, healthcare reporter with CQ Roll Call with a roundup of the healthcare news you need to know. Public health experts say the dramatic social distancing efforts that Americans have been undertaking to slow the spread of COVID-19 appear to be working, and that the so-called curve is flattening and going down in many regions across the country. Now, state officials are preparing how to safely begin to lift the restrictions without overwhelming their local healthcare systems in case cases go up again. Cases could spike again when the restrictions are lifted, which is why experts say it's crucial that local officials have the ability to test, track, and isolate cases and to make sure that their healthcare systems won't be overwhelmed by having more cases. Trump administration officials insist there's enough testing available for every state in the country to enter into the first phase of its guidelines for reopening the country. Still, governors say this week that testing capacity remains inadequate because many states lack the necessary equipment where there is a mismatch of the available testing supplies and where they're most needed. Trump administration health officials are warning that a second wave in the fall or winter is possible, with some acknowledging that it's likely or expected. While President Trump says that that's not a given, health officials this week said that that's part of why the administration is keeping orders open for supplies like ventilators, so that the national strategic stockpile is replenished and that the U.S. can provide ventilators to foreign countries in the event of a second wave. The Department of Health and Human Services also detailed this week how it will distribute the remaining $70 billion of the initial $100 billion that Congress provided for hospitals and health systems in the most recent pandemic aid law. That's ahead of expected additional funds coming from a bill that the House is considering on Thursday. The first wave of that $70 billion of funding is set to begin going out to providers on Friday. Finally, it's been a busy news week for HHS personnel. Lawyers for Dr. Rick Bright, who was reassigned as the Director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority to work on diagnostics within the National Institutes of Health, say today that they will soon file a whistleblower complaint with the HHS Office of Inspector General, which they say will make clear that Bright was sidelined from his role for pushing back on efforts to use untrusted drugs like chloroquine to treat COVID-19. Now back to you, Jason. That's our CQ on Congress coronavirus special report for today. For all of us in the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, I'm Jason Dick.